I'm sitting in the studio with writer, producer, and storyteller, Cindy Rodriguez. Hey, Cindy. Hello. So, Cindy, all I know is that Latino USA has been working on a story around intuition. It's been up on our whiteboard. And I know that you're here to talk about it with me. And that's it. Es todo. That's all you need to know. I'm going to take you right through it. Okay. So it pretty much starts with, I think, my inkling, my obsession with intuition ever since I was a teenager. I didn't really believe in intuition until high school. There was a weekend I really wanted to go down the shore with friends. Four or five of us were going to the beach, but my mom's super strict, super peruana, wants to know everywhere, like where I'm going with friends. And she, the minute I asked her, she was like, no. I feel something very, very strange. She was just like, no, tengo un presentimiento, no me cae bien, you're not going. Which means I have this premonition. Mm -hmm. And I told my daughter, please don't go. No, not this time because I feel something, I don't, I don't like it. So I called my friends. I was like, just tell, tell our friend to take my spot. And then I asked her thereafter, I'm like, what was it about this particular trip that you were just so head on saying like, no. And she's like, I just saw like an accident. I just don't have a good feeling. And that was very specific. And I let it go. Three days passed by, my friends call me and they're like, something happened. Our friend fell asleep at the wheel. Oh, my God. The car turned over, and the person that replaced you passed away. And I was, like, shocked. Even when I say it now, it kind of gets me emotionally. It sounds completely unbelievable. That was a moment when my mom called that accident specifically and what happened. That was a moment where I started to, like, really respect my mom's intuition. That's when I started looking at it like, this is a superpower of sorts. Like, how does she know about this? Like, how does she tap into it, right? Like, asking all these questions. ¿Cuándo fue la primera vez que tú sabías de la intuición? Bueno, la intuición es algo que, que siempre está ahí, pero a veces no le hacemos caso. So your mom says that we all have the gift of intuition, but not all of us listen to it. From NPR and Futuro Media, it's Latino USA. I'm Maria Hinojosa. And today, schedule your limpia and prende tus velitas, because we're going to learn about intuition. Today on our show, we explore el don, the supposed sixth sense, from both a scientific point of view and from one of cultural understanding. Intuition as a concept has been a part of many spiritual practices in Latin America, and it plays a critical role, one that today is guiding a Latina feminist movement. And we'll get back to how all of us are brujas in just a little bit. But first, is intuition real? Journalist Cindy Rodriguez is going to introduce us to some cold, hard science. The way my mom defines intuition is that it's a gentle truth or an inner knowing. But I'm a journalist, so I needed to look into this myself. I started researching, and I realized people have tried to define and measure it for years. Plato believed intuition was the basis of all knowledge. Henry David Thoreau went to Walden Pond as an experiment. 
to prove that he could rely on his innate instinct rather than society's knowledge. And as recently as 2018, the Office of Naval Research was conducting studies on how sailors and Marines use their gut to make snap decisions. But still, the idea that someone has a gift of perceiving or knowing into the future is considered scientifically unprovable by many, but not all. So my name is Galang Lufidiano. Dr. Lufidiano is one of those people who takes intuition seriously. He's a researcher from Indonesia. And I'm here with Fulbright Foundations, and currently I'm doing research with NYU Langone in neurology. And also, I'm also uh, working with Harvard University in cognitive neurology as well. Nearly a decade ago, Dr. Lufayana was getting his doctorate in neuroscience. But when it came time to decide what he was going to do for his thesis, he was having a hard time. I was thinking like, what about uh, investigating about intuitions? But at that time, it was really, really hard. And then a lot of people kind of like, again, like doubt, how do you measure intuition? But I really, really want it to do it. And so he and a team of other researchers designed a study that would test people's ability to sort of predict the future. So I kind of like set up like behavioral tasks with random dot movement. This is how it would work. Imagine you're sitting at a computer. On the screen, there are a bunch of dots moving either left or right randomly. You watch this for a while, and then you're asked to try and predict in which direction the dots are going to move. It would seem impossible to do this since there are no obvious patterns to the dots, but secretly there's a signal. Right before the dots move, a subliminal image flashes on the screen. The images are things like guns or flowers or snakes. Things that for most humans create an emotional response, either really positive or really negative. If you're flashed a negative thing like a gun, the dots move to the right. If you're flashed a positive thing like a flower, they move left. Remember, these are subliminal images, so you don't notice the images consciously. The point of the whole thing is to pick up on the feelings that subliminal images give you and use them to predict which way the dots will move. If you can do that, you're more intuitive or more in tune with your emotions. So basically what it's doing is it's measuring your capacity to trust in what you know. Not so much what you know, but what you feel. As Dr. Lufayana explains, there are two types of decision-making. The first is rational. Where you kind of like weight all of the options and the probability and stuff like that. And the other is intuitive, in which... You use emotional kind of like memory to guide on decision. What Dr. Lufayano found is that both kinds of decision makers have a visceral emotional response to the images. But it's only the intuitive people who listen to their emotional responses and use it to make a prediction. So your mom was right on the money that everyone does have intuition, but that some people listen to it more than others. Yeah, Dr. Lufayano and his team didn't prove that people can see full visions into the future, a la That's So Raven style, but they were able to prove that people can use their gut instinct to make predictions. After hearing about this research, we wanted to test our own intuition, but it's a whole expensive computer setup. So Dr. Lufayano sent us a questionnaire that he says works just as well to measure how intuitive you are. 
So for fun, we grabbed a bunch of people in the office and some of our friends to see if they could guess how intuitive they are. So we gathered everybody into Latino USA's conference room. Yeah, I've been um, reporting on intuition for a year and you are all here so we can test your intuition, how good it is, how you think, how you make decisions. Before our subjects took the questionnaire, everyone went around and said a little bit about themselves and how intuitive they felt. First up, someone who does believe she's already in touch with her intuition. I'm Amanda Alcantara, uh, the digital media editor here at Latino USA. Uh, I'm Dominican, and in Dominican culture, you know, there's a lot of Afrosyncratic religions and beliefs, and I have been doing a lot of family research now, and, you know, I found out I have a great-grandmother who was a witch— she had a, a whole altar devoted to, like, you know, different sort of spirits. I feel like I'm a very intuitive person, but I have a hard time listening to my intuition because my rational brain is like, no! So, yeah. Then we have somebody who has been fooled by his own intuition before. My name is Tommy McNamara. Tommy is a stand-up comedian that lives in Brooklyn. Um, we didn't talk about... Any feelings, I would say, as an Irish Catholic Midwestern family. I think I used to trust my intuition more. I got took advantage of a few times. He fell for a Craigslist scam. And uh, now I don't trust my intuition, I would say. I'm Elisa Escarce. I am a associate producer here at Latino USA. Elisa grew up in Los Angeles, and she's on the fence about the role of intuition in her life. So on my dad's side of the family, the Cuban side, my great-grandma was still alive. And I remember looking in their closet one time and seeing this board, which is like a Ouija board. So they would make a lot of their decisions with this Ouija board. It was not something—like, my parents thought that was weird. And so, and so it was not something that I really got in touch with. But I remember as a kid, like, thinking it was very cool. I feel I have a lot of feelings that feel like intuitions. My name is Zach Swan. Zach is yet another stand-up comedian. I'm very white. <laughs> My family background is I'm very white, uh, <laughs> like Scottish and Welsh, maybe, French-Canadian. He wasn't raised to think about his gut instincts. My family, we didn't, intuition wasn't really like a, a subject that was mentioned. I, I would fall in a similar camp as Tommy, I think. I feel like I'm... Certainly not intentional about intuition. And when it comes to you, Maria? I think I'm definitely an intuitive. And uh, a lot of what I kind of stand for, kind of even in my, my life and my work, is to say, own it, trust it, believe it. You know, the way you're seeing it is right. Because I feel like oftentimes as a woman, and certainly as a, as a woman who wasn't born in this country, it was like, you're an imposter. You shouldn't be here. That's a wrong thought. You're you're gonna mess up. You're gonna and that what actually helps us if what's is when we get grounded. I trust it. I, I absolutely trust it. And then the questionnaire began. First question. I would rather do something that requires little thought than something that is sure to challenge my thinking abilities. The questionnaire was only 10 questions long. Each question was about how you handle decision making and problem solving. I don't like to have the responsibility. I would prefer complex to simple problems. Try to anticipate and avoid situations number five. I trust my initial feelings about people. Pencils down. <laughs> I feel like a teacher. I'm like, give me your homework, please. Thank you. After 10 minutes of tallying the results, I came back. I have everyone's scores here. And I was like, huh, interesting. The way the scoring worked was that everyone had two separate scores. 
a rational score and an intuitive score. 25 being the highest score you could get on either. <laughs> Sorry. First, Amanda got her results. Rational at 10? <laughs> that makes a lot of sense because I'm like fighting my rational all the time. And that's a Libra thing. I have a hard time making decisions. <laughs> Interesting. I'm so mad at this result, but I'm also very proud. I also want to be intuitive and it's, it's pretty good intuitive. I mean, you got a 23 versus a 10. So you definitely lean on the intuitive side if you're going by this. Alyssa. So I am 21 rational, 23 intuitive, which it kind of makes sense to me that they would be around the same, but like a little bit more on the intuitive side. Tommy. Uh, I got 18 (laughs) rational, 10 intuitive, uh, which I think is what people would have expected uh, to be low on the intuitive (laughs) based on my answers. Uh, So I am not not too surprised. Zach. I got 21 for rational and 24 for intuitive. Isn't that the highest intuitive score we've heard so far? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Maria's not. (laughs) (laughs) The results are in. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Rational, I got 18, and intuitive, I got 25. Interesting. So you're not surprised at all? No. That sounds about right. Mm Mm-hmm. Maria, of course, you got the highest intuitive score. And overall, with the exception of Zach, people were very good at guessing how intuitive they would be. And that's what Dr. Lufrayano found during his research as well. At least one of my studies, they actually, we actually found that when they say that they, they are intuitive, it is accurate that they are going to behave intuitively. So basically, if you think you're an intuitive person, you use your intuition more, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Totally. And you can hear in people's answers about their background how much their families impacted the way they viewed their own sense of intuition. And that made me wonder if my own culture plays a role in my intuition. Because if you ask my mom, it absolutely does. ¿Tú crees que esto, las intuiciones, como más poderoso en los latinos? En los latinos, en sí. ¿Por qué? ¿Por qué? Eh... Siempre porque se escucha, porque uno vive con eso ya desde que nace, lo vas escuchando. Lo escuchas en la familia, lo escuchas en vecinos, lo escuchas en, en todas partes. Basically, your mom is saying that Latinos and Latinas grow up with this sense of intuition, that you hear about it from your family, your neighbors, your friends. Yeah, that you hear about it everywhere. Coming up on Latino USA, how brujas, modern-day Latinx witches, are harnessing the power of intuition. Stay with us. No te vayas. In Cherokee Nation, a feud has been simmering for more than 180 years. I always joke that the Bridges and the, <laughs> the Rosses are like the Montagues and the Capulets. We've been fighting for so long that people don't really know why, but in Cherokee, we, we know why. That's next week on Code Switch from NPR.
Hey, we're back. And on today's show, producer Cindy Rodriguez has been teaching us about intuition. We just learned about the science behind it and the way we use it in decision-making. But now Cindy's going to explore the cultural role of intuition for the Latino community, specifically how intuitive women are spearheading a Latina feminist movement. In my quest to learn about the role of intuition in the Latino community, I quickly found myself at the epicenter of the millennial decolonized wellness movement. The epicenter of the millennial decolonized wellness movement? Yes. Okay. I didn't know that there was a decolonized wellness movement, but let's go. Mm -hmm. We're hearing the drums of Batala, an all-women Afro-Brazilian samba reggae percussion band one of the many performers during the Brooklyn Brujeria Fest. The festival was held in Dumbo under the Brooklyn Bridge. The festival felt like a reunion. A lot of the vendors there are my friends and the performers are people I've gone on hikes with. I live for these sacred spaces. Why wasn't I there? Oh, you would have loved it. How come you guys didn't invite me? I know, we should have invited you. Mira, hay otro este verano, you're coming. Okay. It's magic. There's astro readers, tarot readers, music, like indigenous music, where you you feel like you feel seen of these people on stage. There's Afro-Colombianos, Afro-Brazilians, and it's just a bunch of people of color celebrating their ancestral heritage. Hello. Thank Hello. you so much for taking time. And we got to talk to the person who was bringing the whole thing together. I'm uh, Chiquita Brujita. This is Brooklyn Brujeria, the festival. This is a gathering of magic, music, drums, and community. Chiquita Brujita 100% believes in intuition. So there's intuition of trusting your intuition, but then there's the next step of actually believing in divination, right? And so if you trust your intuition to trust your guides enough for them to give you messages um, and then take action towards those, right? It's the deepest trust of intuition. So I grew up, you know, receiving messages from espiritistas and being told, you know, be careful with this. Don't go out there. You know, so-and-so got a message. Like me, Brujita learned to believe in intuition because of her family's spiritual practice. She comes from a long line of Afro-Latina spiritual women who grew up practicing Santeria. Her grandmother started practicing when she moved from Puerto Rico to New York City. So my grandmother was crowned a priestess of Yamaya more than 40 years ago. My late grandmother and my mother is a priestess of Ochun. Brujita says that her grandma was a crown priestess of Yamaya, one of the Orishas, or gods of Santeria. All who practice Santeria are initiated to a particular Orisha, to their own deity. Right, and Yemaya is mother goddess, represented by the ocean. Mm-hmm. And Santeria is a religion that is the combination of African spiritual practices that melded in Cuba with Catholic elements. As a result of the slave trade, when the Yoruba people were brought to the Americas, the Yoruba people still live in what we know today as Benin and Western Nigeria. Chelsea said that her mother was a priestess of Oshun. Oshun is a goddess of divine femininity. I identify as a third-generation practicing um, bruja in the traditional sense, or what I understood for my life to be the traditional sense, which is someone who practices our black magic. Brujita says that while she can trace her intuitive sense to her family's African and indigenous roots, she's seeing a lot of Latinas now, regardless of their family history, calling themselves brujas or witches. I love that bruja has become... And I'm seeing it become sort of this all-encompassing term for being like a a Latina, Latinx feminist, right? Or like being part of this moment of empowered, you know, 
so empowered that I can create magic, right? And so this is how we're informing Bruja. You know, it kind of feels like Brujas are having a big moment right now. Definitely. And maybe the best place to witness the Bruja boom is on social media. Where Latinx influencers have amassed hundreds of thousands of followers who seek out spiritual advice on everything. From money... So Aries, your money for February 2020 is coming in the form of the Nine of Swords. To taking care of plants. Not only do they cleanse the air of toxins, but they also provide amazing energy. And sometimes it's just too cold to go outside and hug a tree. Working on your relationship. I'm Valeria Ruelas, the Mexican witch. Welcome to Pick a Card, advice for your love life and dating life. And yes, of course, getting through our current global crisis. So we're going to talk about the coronavirus from an astrological point of view. But Brujas don't just talk about self-optimization. The same person we just heard offering dating advice has some thoughts on our political system as well. Yo, I love knowing that we're going to prevail against all of this evil and bad government. Hell yeah, witches. (laughs) That's really, well, that's taking brujas and brujería to a whole other level. Brujas don't play. Often being a bruja means being an activist. A lot of brujas say they're fighting against a patriarchal white supremacist society in their practice. In 2015, writer and activist Yanni Slady uploaded a video of themselves and other brujas hexing Trump. Adios, Trump. (laughs) But this idea of tapping into magic or spirituality more generally as a form of political resistance is not new. We see spirituality as really an integration of all of life. This is Lara Medina, a Chicana scholar of spirituality and religion and professor at the California State University, Northridge. Spirituality very much nurtures intuition. Dr. Medina says it's an act of political resistance to look within oneself for answers. In other words, trust your own intuition. Because for centuries, people of color have been conditioned not to trust their intuition. And our intuition is, you know, grounded in our feelings, our emotions, our bodies. During colonization, brujos and brujas and healers, intuitive people, or people with powers in any way, were persecuted in Latin America. Our indigenous cultures carry so much scientific, spiritual, medicinal knowledge that was erased, silenced, displaced through colonization. Dr. Medina brings up La Virgen de Guadalupe as a specific example of the invalidation of Black and brown instincts. So in many ways, they colonized her or tried to colonize her. The story of La Virgen de Guadalupe goes like this. In 1531, an indigenous man named Juan Diego saw a vision of her on a hill. She spoke directly to him in Nahua, his native language. But when he told a Spanish Catholic friar about what he saw, the friar didn't believe him and told him to go get proof. There's a longer story here. But to simplify, Juan Diego went back to La Virgen. And when he came back, his cloak was full of roses and La Virgen's image was printed on it. The history is debated in academic circles. But according to Dr. Medina, even after Juan Diego brought proof, the church didn't recognize her formally as a saint for years. The Catholic Church resisted the devotion to her. They were fearful that the indigenous people were going to confuse her with the ancient divine mother, Donatzin. 
But finally, the Catholic Church couldn't deny her. But the only way they could accept her was to name her as Guadalupe, which was the name of a Madonna from southern Spain, which is where most of the conquistadors were from, and to say that she's Mary, Mother of Jesus. So the overall point here is that because of colonization, the knowledge and wisdom of indigenous people was rejected and then invalidated by the West. Yes. La Virgen de Guadalupe's story can be interpreted as an example of colonizers rewriting what an indigenous man saw, denying his experience. And that's why today things like intuition and brujería are a way of decolonizing and reclaiming that knowledge. It's just really difficult times that need not just political responses, but spiritual responses. For many, La Virgen is seen as both a religious and political symbol. Today, she represents, you know, brown women. She represents brown ancestry of the Americas. She represents the indigenous sacred cosmology. These days, a lot of young Latinx feminists see La Virgen as a symbol of empowerment. She's on votive candles everywhere. There are jean jackets with La Virgen decals on the back. I think for many of us Latinas, we're looking to spirituality for more meaningful answers than the world is giving us. So your mom seems to be like a central figure in all of this. So tell me a little bit about your mom, just kind of in from a spiritual place. My mom got here at the age of 30 with my older sister. I think when she got here, as she has told me before, she relied on her intuition to make all the decisions because a year into moving here, she didn't have a husband anymore. She's divorced. She's alone. She doesn't know the language. So she tells me that I use my intuition out of survival. You know, it's really interesting to hear you say that because we learned earlier that scientifically intuitive decisions are based on emotion rather than information. And it really sounds like all your mom had to go off of was her gut. Yeah. And I think that could be the experience for a lot of immigrants who move somewhere and don't speak the language or know the customs. Something that surprised me is that my mom says it's been harder to listen to her intuition the longer that she's been here in the States. In, lo, in Latin America, date cuenta que la vida es más pasiva. La gente no, no está en ese corre-corre, esa rapidez, en esa vida tan así que, que no tiene a veces tiempo de, 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 a veces lo, de hacerle caso a los presentimientos. She says that life in Latin America is slower paced, that it's easier to listen to your feelings there than it is here in the U.S. So your mom says this thing, the corre-corre. So what's the corre-corre? Corre-corre is the hustle and bustle of just like running around to get it done, whatever it is that you're trying to get done. It's like super American. Super American. Like just moving ahead, moving ahead, because that's what you do. That's what you do. You get to the U.S., you hustle, you launch things, you become an entrepreneur, you become successful. All of these things that are supposed to define your happiness. And she said, no corre, corre. I asked her, what is something that she would want me to just never forget? A pesar de que en este país toda la gente es tan práctica, tan, tan fría muchas veces, ¿no? Que tú como latina y tú, mi familia, que nunca se, se olviden de eso, que siempre cargue contigo ese espíritu. 
She says that although this country can be so practical, so cold, that she hopes that because I am a Latina and because she raised me, that I will always know how to protect my spirit. But it's something I honestly hesitated to do for a long time. I wouldn't take my parents seriously when they tried to impart their spiritual wisdom. But then I hit rock bottom. What do you mean you hit rock bottom? What happened? About five years ago, I was laid off from my job at CNN, which meant that I had lost my health insurance, which I really needed at the time. I had just been told I needed to get surgery for a potentially cancerous lymph node. And to make matters worse, I was in the middle of leaving a long-term relationship of 10 years. I was 31 years old at the time, and it felt like I had lost everything, and I didn't know how to begin again. So I moved in with my mom. Her first thing on my to-do list to get better was una limpieza. You know, you leave a breakup, you lose a job, you start to think, okay, maybe the world is against me here. So she prescribes me this baño. She prepared un baño, which means she prepared a bath for you, a particular kind of bath. That means flowers, usually some kind of particular scent, oftentimes candles. And just like tears are rolling down my face and you don't rinse the bath off, right? You have to air dry. So I am forced to just stand there naked and think emotionally about everything I've ever wanted in my life and at the same time, everything that I've lost up until then. And so it it was a transition in my life. Like I remember this day very clearly thinking like something changed, something shifted. I go for a hike every time there's a full moon. Burn some palo. It's the first thing I do. I like to set the vibe. Palo Santo is a wild tree native to the Yucatan and is found in many Latin American countries, including Peru, where my family's from. And what you'll hear there is my lighter. And what I do is I light my palo. I'll ask my ancestors to watch over me, to bring me guidance, and to send me any messages that they think I need to know right now. And so as I write down what I'm going to let go of, which I already did, I say I'm ready to let go of X <laughs> and replace it with X. It's a little personal, so I won't exactly share what it is. Now I will light the paper. The paper is very small, what I'm burning. it It's all gone now. It's turned to ashes. Honoring my inner knowing, it's a way of connecting to my ancestors and their traditions. Voices that have been silenced through a history of colonization. And it's all led to reclaiming a part of myself that has always been there. But I just wasn't listening. Cindy Rodriguez, thank you so much for opening up and for taking us on this journey with you. Thanks so much for having me. This 
This episode was produced by Antonia Cerejido and edited by Sofia Paliza Carr. The Latino USA team includes Miguel Macias, Luis Treyes, Janice Yamoka, Alisa Escarce, and Alejandra Salazar, with help from Joanne De Luna and Raul Perez. Fact-checking by Nidia Bautista. Special thanks to Maya Cueva, Roy Hurst, and Griselda Rodriguez. Our engineers are Stephanie LeBeau and Julia Caruso. Additional engineering this week by Leah Shaw. Our director of programming and operations is Natalia Fidelholz. Our digital editor is Amanda Alcantara. Our intern is Julia Rocha. Our theme music was composed by Zeña Rubinos. If you like the music you heard on this episode, stop by latinousa.org and check out our weekly Spotify playlist. I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us again on our next episode. And in the meantime, you can find us on all of your social media. Hasta la próxima. Ciao. Funding for Latino USA's coverage of a culture of health is made possible in part by a grant from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Latino USA is made possible in part by W.K. Kellogg Foundation, a partner with communities where children come first, and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Anto, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm stopping, I'm uploading.